This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Amen. Um, we're going to have communion here in a bit, but there's just a few things. I'm going to jump around a little bit and just kind of continue in our little mini series here. And we're talking about spiritual apathy. This is the third week. And we kind of set the stage for this. What do you do when you, you know, your love turns cold towards the Lord? You've, you've lost your first love. And so in Revelation chapter two, we have our text in verse four. He says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. We know Jesus is speaking message to the, the churches, the seven churches, and this is the church of Ephesus. And he's addressing this church. And in verse four, he says, I have this against you that you have abandoned your love that you had at first is how it's stated in the Greek. And he goes on to say, remember, therefore, from when you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And we kind of ended on this verse last week in Revelation 2, 6. We talked about the Nicolaitans and we talked about what that meant and, and, and we derived uh, some truths from what Jesus said he hated. It says, but there is one thing that you are doing right. Isn't it nice to know that God recognizes when you do something right? Come on now, amen. A lot of times you just think, I'll just keep doing a lot of wrong things and messing up and screwing up. But God sees your heart, amen. And he sees what you're doing that is right. And he says, you hate what the Nicolaitans are doing, and so do I. And other translations say, what you hate, I hate also. And we got into that. I want to spend time in that, what that you know, uh, uh, word meant. Actually, means, it meant hatred. But, but uh, you know, what was this doctrine that the Nicolaitans had? It was this, Nicholas taught a doctrine of compromise. Somebody shall compromise. And it seems that this doctrine of the Nicolaitans uh, was that, that it was all right to kind of have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. It's kind of kind of be double-minded. And, and that's what he taught. And, and he, he actually taught that, hey, it's no big deal. And then be so strict about your separating from the world. And, and you know, if you're going to be a Christian, these things are all okay. How many know, we, we shared this last week, that compromise with the world always results in a weakened and powerless form of Christianity? Can you say amen? And so how do we recover from our first love? What is God saying? Does he give us a, a pattern here of how we can restore that love that we had at once for the Lord at first? Because see, here's the thing. If we don't get this, the devil, there, see, faith is not neutral, let me say that again. Faith, your faith is not neutral. There's a statement that they have in the Marine Corps where when you're marching and they teach you all these left turn, right turn, about face and all that, but then they have a, a, a command mark time. It's where you kind of stay in and you're marching, but you're not moving. That is an oxymoron when it comes to the Christian faith. You're either moving forward with God or you're going back. Come on now. Amen? And, and, and the Bible talks a lot about the backslidden in heart. Some people just think, well, they were never really Christians in the first place. I disagree. We have the potential, God forbid, all of us, myself included, to have a drawback spirit, 
to draw back. And there's many reasons why that happens and hurts and disappointments and anger. God, you said this, you didn't do that. How come that happened? Why did my mom and dad get divorced? Why did dad die? Why did mom die? Why did my son or daughter, why did, why, why, why? Come on now, are you here with me this morning? Satan uses those things to get you mad at God when he really is behind majority of that. So recovering our first love. I want you to notice in Revelation 2.5, if you get your tablets or whatever you want, uh, pulling that up, Revelation 2.5, Jesus said, now this is what he tells us, how we come back to our first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. That seems pretty concise, but what does that mean? What does that mean? So recovering our first love. What are steps to recovery in that? The first thing Jesus said is remember. Somebody shall remember. Remember. What does it mean? Remember. Uh, You know, we need to be attentive to our spiritual state day in and day out. Amen. And every single one of us, as I shared this before, have found ourselves one way or another in some form of desperation, dryness of soul, seasons you go through, you feel, where are you, God? I'm open to the word, I'm reading, but I feel like I'm not getting anything, and you think you're doing something wrong, and you check your heart, and, and, and you know, there's times and seasons we go, and there's ebbs and flows where we feel close to the Lord, and times we feel very far. But how many know, by faith, the scripture said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. He is always with you. Amen. So feelings are subjective. Isn't that right? But we need to remember. Remember the intimacy we once had with the Lord. The closeness that we once enjoyed. The fellowship that we once experienced. And that was a a glorious time that, that we had with the Lord. And here's the thing. God is calling us back. He's calling us back to that relationship because the scripture says that God is a jealous God. Now, there's the sin of jealousy in uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 20. We're not talking about that in a righteous sense. Here's the thing. Did God not make you? You're his. Amen. And so he's jealous. He's jealous. And Exodus 34, 14 talks about that that we are to worship and serve him because he's worthy of that, because he's God. You know, I even heard atheists said, well, I'd rather, who was the one, oh, see, forget this quote now, forgive me. <clears throat> I'd rather be free in hell than serve God in heaven. Do you have, you have no idea what you're talking about. You're not going to be free in hell. <clears throat> and so that's a mindset of the, uh, of, of the lost and fallen. But we're not talking about jealousy in, a, in an unrighteous sense. We're talking about God is jealous and he has every right because he created us and he is the, the, the Lord of all, God of all, God of all, amen? So Jesus is saying, I want you, watch this, to remember the times that you were close to me in that time. Can, now, I want you to just take a moment, pause, and just think about when, do you remember those times? You say, well, I've just been through a difficult situation or business or financial situation. The business is doing well. Or sales are not doing good. Or sales are really bad, and I'm really struggling. I'm not making the money I used to make. Da, 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 da. And so we have all these reasons and things that we you know, feel justified in the way we feel. And, and the enemy comes in at that time, too, and he puts a spirit of offense are you with me this morning? There's a spirit of offense in your heart, you know, and towards the Lord and the things of God and towards ministers and churches, and it just it's on and on and on. But Jesus says, I want you to remember. I want you to remember uh, the times. How many remember the times where you, you just really, you were hungry for God and you dug into his word? Amen? 
if that's not upon you now, you, you need to take note of what this message is going on here coming out. God is speaking, saying, I want to draw you back. Those times, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date some of us right now, where you watch those VHS. Remember those? <laughs> some of you still have, you know, walls full of those. You spent a lot back then, but you just can't seem to give them up. I don't even know if you can buy one still. Well, you can get it on eBay. You can get anything on eBay there. But, but remember those times you would sit, you would listen. You would listen to cassettes. Yes, I loved cassettes. See, because you could start and stop and still be in the same spot. I don't know. Anyhow. <clears throat> yeah, eight track. Yes, eight track. Remember those. Yeah, we used to listen to the Imperials. Petra, I mean, come on, the 8-track. But if you miss that song, you got to wait the whole time till it comes back around. Amen? <clears throat> How many with me say amen? But there was something that you were passionate about the Lord. You loved the Lord, and you were drawing near, and stuff may happen, but it didn't matter because that love relationship was vibrant. Come on, are you with me this morning? Um, podcast now, today, modern. You know, we got Christian books and you would get together with other believers. And, and I love when I hear uh, people in the church and then they post their love for the Lord. And, 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 and actually that someone remembered something that I spoke on a Sunday morning and quoted. it. You know, I'm like, you gotta be kidding. Uh, I feel tremendously honored on that. But, but when people are hungry for God and, and they want his word and they want to grow and they want to learn, that's a sign of health spiritually, when there's indifference, when there's apathy, you know, there's something wrong. God did not call us to live an apathetic spiritual life. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> so God's saying, remember, remembering God's faithfulness. Why? Because we are forgetful. How many remember what you ate three weeks ago this day? We are forgetful, unless it was a great meal, you know. We're forgetful. We leak. Things come out. And a striking example of this is found in the book of Exodus, chapters 13 and, excuse me, chapters 14 to 16, and I'm going to read that. But, but just in the span, watch this, of just a couple of chapters, we see the Israelites, they're delivered, watch this, delivered from slavery. They're brought through the Red Sea. Miracle. Impossibility. God splits the sea, and then, and then once they get through that, Miriam sings a song and rejoicing. The horse and the rider is thrown in the sea, and, 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 and Pharaoh's army is defeated, and they're entering in, heading to their promised land, which was two weeks ago. Uh, two, excuse me, two weeks just ahead of them in traveling. But what happens? Once they get through, they start grumbling. They want food. They want meat and complaining. And I just wrote down in my notes here, seriously? I mean, I think if it was me and I walked through that Red Sea, I would be touching that wall. You know, I would be like, how, what's going on here? I'm in the midst of something that I need to never forget. That God brought us through and rescued us. And those waters collapse and they forget. Oh yeah, they remembered it, but our human nature and you want to say to them, hey, don't you remember what God did for you just a short while ago? How the wall, water stood up and two walls and you walked through the sea on dry ground. On dry ground, the scripture says. I mean, we would kind of say, hey, don't you think God can do that? If he's capable of doing that, he can take care of you. He can give you food. Remember? Amen. But it's just let's bring it up to speed to us here today. Remember that we do the same sort of thing. How many remember when God brought you through that trial? Amen. He answered that prayer. 
And then it seems like, it just seems like in a few days, you just forget about that. Just kind of, it just goes out of your mind. And we're already looking to the next struggle on the horizon, finding reasons to gripe and complain because where are you, God? And are you going to take me through this? And God continually brings us through those things. He continually brings us through those things. And so, church, we have to find ways of remembering God's faithfulness. Do you remember when God answered those prayers for your son or your daughter? Do you remember when God brought you through that horrible, difficult, uh, you know, life-threatening disease? uh, Do you remember when God, you prayed for a child and you weren't able to conceive and now you have a child? Do you remember? Got to remember. Got to remember. That's why we forget. Amen. The second thing, repentance. Repentance. This isn't a popular word, but nonetheless, it's still in the Bible. Amen. Repentance. Uh, We must recognize that forsaking our first love, watch this, is actually a sin, the sign of backsliding in one way or another. It really is when we do that. It is a sin that Jesus takes very seriously, actually warning the Ephesian believers that if they do not repent as a congregation, they would be no more. Now, I, I began to think about that, and I thought, well, just a very sad statistic since 2006. You know, uh, these statistics estimate that 5,000 churches a year have closed uh, in, in America every year. Some estimate them between six to 10,000 closed. That's over 100 churches a week closed their doors. Now, just think about that. You know, this church was no more, okay? You say, well, we move on, find another place. But the pastor that has known you, that has labored with you and loved you, has dedicated your kids, all that. You know, everything's just the doors are closed. You're on your own. You figure it out. Huh? All the churches closed. Wow, what a horrible thing. What a horrible thing. How many with me say amen? That's very sad, very sad. But Jesus gives this uh, admonition. I'm not saying that the churches that close here in America are are something that they have done wrong. But regardless, that's just a very sad statistic. And there's only between 350 to 400,000 in this whole nation. That's a lot. Revelation 2.5, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. I I don't want that for harvest. Come on now. I, I, don't, I don't want, I have no interest in having a church service that God is nowhere to be found. Otherwise, there's exciting more things to do. You know, if people's lives are not being changed and transformed, yes, I would like to see a lot more happening than what is, just the way I am. But you know what? I hear things now and then of miracles and, and what God has done and restorations and healings. And, and, and so that, that encourages me. But we need more of that. Amen, we need more of that. But he talks about repentance. So rather than blaming others or blaming circumstances, we should acknowledge our sin before the Lord. Whatever those sins may be, so, so how does this happen? How do we forsake our first love? Just some, some, some things, observation. Putting other things before the Lord, whether that's your kids, watch this, your spouse or your family or your business. Oh, oh, Pastor, they're supposed to be priority. Well, God gave you them. Do you know, I was just reading in, in I think it's Ezekiel uh, 16, and it talks about how God judged Israel because of their uh, wickedness and their backsliding of heart and their immorality, but, but he judged them uh, because of the, the murder of the children. 
the murder of the children, they would pass through the fire of Moloch and, and they would sacrifice. They adopted the wicked practices of the pagan nations. And God said, I hate this. And he said, you're being judged for this. And what happened is, is God writes and he says this, that even though those are your children, I gave them to you. And then the next verse, he goes, those kids that are killed, in essence, those are mine. What does that say about abortion? Come on now. Um, let me tell you something. I just felt this, and I'm just going to declare this, what's happening in West Virginia and, and what's happening in New York City and these third term, these babies being born, a child alive and they kill it is murder. It's murder. And here's the thing. I'm going to prophetically declare. This is going to, you ever throw a boomerang? Do you ever say, you know, I have one of those because you got to be careful. Why? Because when you throw that thing, you laugh, <laughs> that thing can come right back around and smack you in the head. And that's what's going to happen. These people that are passing these laws, God is going to boomerang that on them. And you're going to see Roe versus, Roe versus Wade will be overturned someday in the name of Jesus. I declare somebody go, well, you know, that's the right for everyone. It's murder. And someone needs to stand up and tell the truth. You know what? It just, it's murder. And it's just in a try. I can't even fathom that. That innocent little that baby and just you just kill it right there. Make it comfortable. How can you? All right, moving right along. If you do not repent, I will come to you. Remove your lampstand from its place. So we can put the, Jesus said in Luke 17, 33, he said this. When we think about, think about this with our kids, see, the, our kids are really God's. They're not yours. I remember I shared this illustration. This actually happened. It's such a life thing that I used to walk around because my father never told me he loved me. It just he was like, you know, you're the kid that uh, you're not even mine, basically, because I had blue eyes. And so I grew up under that. OK, where all the other kids, you know, daddy. And he just he pushed me beside. That's that's who I grew up under. <clears throat> and and he he. he he never, you know, would, would tell me that, that, that he, he loved me. But uh, now I got to get I got to get up. I remember what I was going to get, was going to say about all that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to have to come back to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Jesus said in Luke 17, 33, remember Lot's wife. He said, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you, uh, anyone who loses his life for God's sake will preserve it. So they, oh, that's what I was going to talk about. Thank you, Lord. About my son. So he was 17 months old. And he was in the crib and he was kind of, you know, like I'm getting out of here constantly, you know. And so that's about the time where it's like you got to do something, parents. And he climbed over the crib, fell out, and, and he basically fractured his wrist. And he was crying for a little bit. And so Rhonda called me and she said, something, something's up. And, you know, he wasn't screaming, whatever, but he was playing that day, but he didn't move. And he said, I think we need to bring him in. And so I, I came back home and brought him in. They did an x-ray and they said, yep, he, fra he fractured that. Well, before that happened, my attitude was because of my father never saying love me. I told my kid every single day, I love you, son. Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. It don't matter if I was feeding him, whatever. Daddy loves you. Daddy, he's never going to not know I don't love him. Come on. Amen. And he's still this day. You know, <laughs> Daddy loves him. But it became something that was too much. Now, you can never tell too much, but it was something of a wound in me, hear me, that wasn't healed. 
okay? Because in a healthy, natural way. But it was just something that I was trying to get across to him. And, and God, after he, he fractured his wrist, God spoke to me and I was so, I was upset. I was like, Lord, what? this is my son. And you know, how could you allow this? You know, he fractured his wrist. He was fine in two weeks. The cast was off and, you know, uh, he's broken his wrists and his ankles and everything else since then. But, but, but the point is, is like, I was frustrated. I was angry at God. And God said, that is not your boy. I gave him to you to raise, but he is mine. And right now at 24, he never texts me. He never, him. I'm like, Zach, oh, daddy loves you. He's not like, because he's God's. I said, he's God's. And I know he loves me. He's just a little too busy, son, if you're listening to this. Uh, I don't know, I'm sorry, getting off. But, but Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Why? Lot's wife was what? Sodom and Gomorrah, the angels pulling out, you know, Lot and his two kids, and, and, and the sons stay back, and Lot's wife runs and then turns around and goes back in, and it's destroyed. He says, remember Lot's wife. When we think about that. Who, yo, and you know, here's the thing. If we, if our kids are our life, hear me, hear me, you're going to lose life. You do. See, Christ should be your life. And then you're better able to love those kids properly. Can you, can you hear that? Can you get that? Amen. You need to grasp that. Jesus should be your life. Your spouse should not be everything in the world to you because how many know your spouse can't give you everything? in the world. Amen. Wow, that really came back quick. Amen. It's true. It's true. Only God can. And only God can do that. That's why he needs to be number one. How else we fake, forget, you know, forsake our first love, caught up with things of this world, allowing wrong attitudes to fester in our hearts and practicing sin without repentance. And, and you know, we yield to the flesh. Some, some ministers, they can become professional in their ministries and, and there's no passion and zeal, making our walk with the Lord into a dry habit. Forsaking our first love can happen in many different ways, but all of them on one level or another is sin. It's sin. Now, let me just, just temper this here because I know we all go through desperate situations and difficult things in our life that we're faced with. And you know what? True believers, we, we all suffer terrible things. We all go through difficult things, hardships, tragedies. Sometimes they're prolonged struggles. And at times you may find yourself, watch this, distant from the Lord. You're just, you're, you're kind of like a scared cat, you know, or an alarmed. And here's the thing. Your heavenly father understands this. Did you hear that? He understands these things that you wrestle with. And, and rather than him, he doesn't rebuke us. What does God do? He simply calls us back to a place of refreshing in renewal. It's just like the prodigal son's father. He would stand on that porch or whatever from a distance and afar looking for his son to return. That's the heart of God. He doesn't kick us when we're down. Amen? It's not the God we serve. Amen? But here's the thing. For many of us, the problem is that we simply forsake our first love through wrong choices or wrong priorities. This is why, uh, which is why one of the first steps back is the step of repentance. All right, quickly, then number three. The third thing is, Jesus says, do the things we did at first. We must do the things we did at first. This means, now watch this, there are practical. Somebody shall practical. 
Sometimes we just think, okay, you do it, God. You do it. Bring me back to that place. All right, I'm going to go out my own business. You have to do some things to draw yourself back. That's not works. It's just practicality. It's just the way the kingdom of God works. And I'm going to really bring it down to a marriage situation. Have you ever read a Christian book or, or like on marriage or rekindling your marriage? And some of you think, no, but maybe you should. Uh, those are important. Here's the thing. In a book like that, like that, it not only show you how to diagnose that the nature of the marital problems, if it's a good book, but here's the thing. In most books, they give you steps, specific steps, practical steps that will help you correct the problem. That's the beauty of the book. So, for example, a book written to men might remind the husband about the early days of his relationship with his fiancée, wife. In those years, he used to call her several times a day. Okay. He would send her flowers once a week, take her on special dates every week, be sensitive to her unspoken needs and desires, always put her first, leave her little love notes and let her know how special she was. I can remember dating Rhonda and I was in Christ for the Nations and she had graduated and I was still in Bible school and so there's that whole dynamic and where the Bible school is located is in South Dallas, it's a pretty, pretty rough area. It's pretty rough. So there's about 70 acres there with the university, you know, the, the Bible college. But just outside that, I mean, there's shootings. There was just this very rough area. But when we were dating, we didn't care. We, she would like, come on, let's go, uh, let's go do a picnic. And, and I'll be, yeah, all right, I'm there. And save up with a little money I had. And, and we would spread a blanket out and just, uh, you know, on a sunny Sunday afternoon or whatever. And we would just have a picnic because we were just together. And it was probably a crime zone. I mean, <laughs> we could have been killed. We go back there now and went, you got to be kidding. We went there? Didn't matter. We're in love. <laughs> Amen? Come on, are you with me this morning? Well, fast forward. 15, 25, 35, 45 years, if you're still married. That was a long time ago. And then you got three, four, five, six kids, three apartments, two houses, four moves, six jobs, 30 pounds for you, 40 pounds for her. Come on now. Amen. Things aren't quite the same anymore. Isn't that right? So what does the husband need to do? It's a great question. He needs to do the things he did at first. We're talking about our first love, all right? Bringing it, using the illustration of marriage. He needs to reignite the romance and make an effort to renew and deepen his relationship. You had to be intentional about that. He needs to set aside quality time with his wife and for his wife, making her happiness his number one priority. He needs to let her know how important she is still to him and, and break away from his routine for her sake. Amen. It was a good time men just go, amen. That's right, pastor. That's right on the front of my radar. <laughs> Listen to me. Tell your wife every day you love her. I've endeavored to do that, whether shooting her a text or whatever, or, or things got busy. And give, give your wife a hug every day. Give your wife a kiss every day. If you singles, you can take that to the bank. Amen. Hugs, little things. He needs to love her again as his bride. We're talking about returning to our first love. Uh, some practical things, little notes. Uh, maybe there's a favorite drink, coffee. Make her coffee in the morning. She likes it a certain way. Tell her you appreciate her. Help her make the bed. We make the bed every morning. If you can't make your bed in the morning, your whole day is goofed up. I mean, you know, 
<laughs> it's true. Navy SEALs tell us that. I mean, like, start the day, I'll get that bed made. Come on, because it brings to order your life, and it just, anyhow, moving right on. I can't prove that in the Bible, but I know it's in there somewhere. <laughs> we better move on here. Help her. Help her do laundry on occasion. And my wife says, add in, don't just do the laundry, but take it out, fold it, and put it away. Are you with me here this morning, church? Amen. <clears throat> Watch this. That is exactly what we need to do with Jesus when our love for him turns cold. We need to renew that relationship with him. How? Practically speaking, we need to set aside quality time to meet with him. Pastor, what do you mean by that? I'm so busy. If you're too busy to meet with Jesus, your love will grow cold. If you're too busy to meet with men, if you're too busy to meet with Jesus, your love will grow cold. You can fake it for a while, but when the time, you know, you got to deal with something spiritually, it's, you're going to be standing there limp-wristed. You're not going to be able to deal with that situation. Amen. Amen, Pastor. Thanks for preaching the truth. Pouring out our hearts to him in prayer, sharing our innermost thoughts and burdens. Lift our voices to him in worship and adoration. It means singing songs and thanksgiving and praise. We saturate our minds and hearts with his word. We should be in the word. I don't mean this as a legalistic, but we should get the word of God in us and try to do that every single day. Well, pastor, I missed today. Move. It's okay. I mean, just, just can jump back in. No condemnation. Come on. I mean, people that say that, I've never missed a day, whatever. I'm like, well, you're more spiritual than me, okay? But, but you know, things happen. You go through things and you get, and, and but you, God is calling us back to him today. That awe, that wonder of those early days, and we seek to recapture a sense of divine nearness. <clears throat> and in sharing our faith too, according to Matthew Henry, Matthew Henry commentary, he says this, that believers who have left their first love must return and do their first works. They must, as it were, begin again, go back step by step, watch this, till they come to the place where they took the first false step. I don't know where that is, but God is going to show you here at the end of the service. What was that false step where you just got derailed? What was it? Was it a hurt? Was it a death? What is a disappointment? Was it a sickness? What is a disease? What is a divorce? What was it? God is calling us back from that. And so we got to revive that. And over a period of time, if we do these things, you know, not out of religiosity, but with full heart, God is going to meet us. God is going to meet us. His spirit will begin to flood our hearts. I, I promise you, church. <clears throat> and he will become the center of your life again. See, these things just happen in life. And God wants us to stay centered. Do the things we did at first. Jeremiah 2.2, God speaks about what it was like with the children of Israel. And he, he remembers and he says this, and what he missed with the children of Israel. He said, the word of the Lord came to me. Go and proclaim to the hearing of Jerusalem. I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the desert, through a land, not sown. And so God is saying, I remember those times and I miss that. He's not up there in judgment and castigating you, but he's saying, I, I want you back. He's a jealous God. I want you back. On January, Monday, January 1st, 1750, John Wesley, he made the following entry in his journal. He said on this is, I find is just amazing back then, the ministers back then. On several days this week, I called upon many who had left their first love. Just thinking of me, dial, let me just call someone. Hey, by the way, you left your first love. 
<laughs> Maybe some of you would know. I'm not going to do that, and I'm not, you know, but <laughs> that's amazing to me. You're out of sync. You know what? You've got to get right with God. <laughs> yeah, that's a clear way to enter the church out. Amen? Well, but you know what? Not for everyone. <clears throat> so he said, he said, but none of them justified themselves. One and all pleaded guilty before God. Therefore, there is a reason to hope that he will return and he will abundantly pardon. Church friends, God will abundantly pardon. That is the God we serve. Can I get an amen? He will receive you again. No questions asked. <clears throat> and it's in this pursuit of the Lord that we become holy and, and, and his righteousness is bestowed upon us. Amen. Oswald Chambers said this. He said, holiness is the characteristic of the man after God's own heart. John Bunyan said this. When we take steps toward God, he takes a step toward us, but his steps are larger than ours. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, stand with me if you would, please. We're going to receive communion. And as I prayed about this, this segment, I asked for an illustration. I said, Lord, help me to see where people feel and where they're at. And, and just in my own life and how I have felt sealed off, whether it's backslid, whether it's distant from the Lord, just that first love is just not there. And he gave me this illustration uh, on the movie, The 33 Miners. How many have seen, seen this movie? The Chilean Miners. And it's a true story. I think it was happened in 2010 or 12. I can, forgive me. But what happened was these miners went down uh, 2,300 feet under the ground. And I'm just going to read a little bit here, set the stage for as we come for communion. We're going to have a song playing and just some video, uh, just some slideshow. And the prophetic picture God showed me was, I really felt the Lord said, I am going to do this. Watch this now. To those of you here this morning that respond, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to reach down and pull you out. I'm going to help you. The disaster began on a day shift around lunchtime at a mine in Chile's Atacama Desert. Miners worked deep inside a mountain, excavating for copper, gold, and other minerals. So they started feeling this tremendous vibration. Suddenly there was a massive explosion, and the passageway of the mine filled up with gritty dust cloud, trapped 2,300 feet on the ground for more than two months. It was like 69 days underground. When the dust settled, the men discovered the source of the explosion. A single block of stone, as tall as a 45-story building, had broken off from the rest of the mountain and had fallen through the layers of the mine, causing a chain reaction as the mountain above it began to collapse too. 33 miners were sealed inside the mountain by this mega block of stone, some 770 tons of it, twice the weight of the Empire State Building. Staring at that flat, smooth wall was Louis Uziar, the crew's supervisor. And he thought it was like the stone that they put over Jesus' tomb. And I began to think about that, and especially here in this moment. Some of you feel your place where you're at just sealed away. It's going to be like this the rest of your life. And God is saying, no, 
So how can you say that? You know, I find it so interesting about the story. Jose uh, Hankrenius, 54, was a Pentecostal preacher and a minor for 33 years. And the moment this happened, this just tells you God's goodness. In the darkest place of your life, God has his people. He's got his people. He's got his, he's got people there that are praying for you, there to be with you, to be there to help you through that. It says that this Pentecostal preacher, he served the minors. He was their pastor. He organized daily prayers constantly. They began to pray. And these guys organized themselves into work shifts participating in daily prayer sessions. They rationed their emergency food supply to one meal a day of two cookies and a spoonful of tuna fish, augmented by water drained from industrial waste containers. On day 17, think about that. When engineers on the surface draw up that uh, rescue drill, they discovered a note tied to the bid that read, we are well in the refuge, signed to 33. The people came unglued that were above the surface it was a miracle um it says on october 13th 2010 all 33 of those chilean miners trapped for 69 days inside the san jose mine were raised to the surface of the earth literally resurrected from the dead wow god wants to resurrect some of you from the dead and it may seem an impossible barrier the thing, the wound that has happened in your life, the hurt, uh, where you've been the last seven, eight, 10, 12 years, just, I can't, I can't pick myself up. God is here for you. God wants to resurrect many of you from the dead in your relationship with him. He has been relentless in his pursuit of you. Even in your darkest place, he's been there with you. He had his ministers, his fellow Christians, believers. They were there in your darkest time praying for you, ministering to you. Even though you may have not have known it, people were praying for you. This is your time. This is your moment. This is your day to return to the Lord. God is reaching out to you. Now is the time to pursue the Lord with all of our being. Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Lord, I just thank you for today. We thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that you're bringing us back to your first love. Lord, that it even be a greater intimacy and a closeness with you. And Lord, heal our hearts, I pray, as we move forward in this new season for the church, as we move forward, Father God, and what you have for us for Church for the Harvest here. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.